Yes. T- next two days are going to be busy, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Tonight, uh, they're going to be, uh, you know, on 98.9, they're going to have the red state versus the blue state debate. That's going to be at, that's going to be broadcast here. Then tomorrow, in the aftermath, in the in, in in the wake of all that happening, Charlie, Tara, they're going to be down there with Rhonda Sanders catching up on that in Greer, where there's uh, ten tickets I think available, free but limited, and you can go to that get one of those by going to ninety-eight.9word.com. Go ahead and kill that on your end there, brother. Um, that's coming up tomorrow. And that means that I will be here an hour early tomorrow. I, that, I don't know what that means to anybody there besides I'll be, be here an hour early. So, okay. So now, tomorrow will be Friday for three hours instead of two for me. And that's fine. That's fine. I'm going to take you into the world of the Hobbesian thought process. Thomas Hobbes. He had this, he had this idea that there's no such thing as ultimate good. Only a greatest evil, a violent death, that is what really resides for most of us. So we invented politics to mitigate the fear and the likelihood of that violent death. Hobbes insisted that anybody could kill anybody. And there wasn't that much of a physical or mental difference between human beings that were, you know, puny versus the biggest and the smartest. It's hard to work against the predatory designs of the weakest and the stupidest. He said the weakest has the strength enough to kill the strongest, either by secret machination or by confederacy with others that are in the same danger with himself. And as for the mental powers, he said, for prudence is but experience which equal time equally bestows on all men in these things they equally apply themselves unto. So the more worldly they were, the more apt they were going to be. You don't have to be a full-throated Hobbesian in order to look at that and say, that's sort of deep. John Kerwick and uh, USMC Lieutenant Colonel Al Ridenour have written something called The Warrior Scholar Ideal Visited New Essays on an Old Vision. In the old days, the warriors were also very scholarly in the old days. In order, and and the difference, see, here's, here's, here's what I'm advocating for right now. Most of you and I'm just basing this on what I know as far as the overall uh, population that has ever served, have never served in the military. And no matter what you do in the military, you have to take on a certain mindset. And once you take on that mindset, things begin to diminish as far as what is and is not a priority. And when we see something that is a priority, most of the time it's one of those things that's really, really way beyond the moralistic rhetoric of what you have grown accustomed to. You know, I I look at the most peaceful protests and the riots and the cancel culture, and I see that as a threat of violence, and in some cases violence, overt or covert, it's always there. 
But if you really want to change your politics, you're going to have to change yourselves. And in order to change you, yourself, you have to learn to manage that fear, particularly their, your fear of violence. You know, Miyamoto Musashi, Miyamoto Musashi, excuse me, the 17th century undefeated Japanese samurai swordsman. I love his philosophy. I have his book, The Five Rings. He said, it is said that the warriors is the twofold way of pen and sword. And he should have a taste for both ways. And he also said, ability, he can be a warrior by sticking assiduously to both divisions of the way. We're not souls inhibiting bodies. We are spiritual unities, body and mind. Our physicality, our psychology, and our emotions are mutually reinforcing. Just realize it didn't go live. And how we do how we how we move our bodies affects how we think and feel and how we think and feel affects how we move our bodies so all that we do we must do in and with the bodies that we have we have to learn to be comfortable in our own skin we are embodied beings so this means that whatever you are whatever you think you are, whatever you think your limits are, you have to train to maximize the efficiency, the, the, the ease and the comfort with which we move and operate physically. And you have to have a specific goal in mind toward which to train your body. This will lead to good health. This will also lead to, to extreme preparedness. And you, you have to have a reason you're doing this. Movement for movement's sake is an abstract thing. It's aimless. It's pointless. And you have to uh, you have to be ready to persevere in physical combat in order to have victory in moral combat. So you have to train to defend yourselves and your loved ones against those who imminently threaten our well-being. You have to train your body subtly. You have to be fluid. Subtle movement is refined movement. It reveals mastery. It's very difficult for them to track. But mastery of the body means you have mastered the mind. Martial in martial arts of or pertaining to war. And it was understood that martial arts are warrior arts, arts of war. Training in a warrior art demands a focus of the will. And as your body becomes harder and more refined, so too will your mind. Plato said that philosophy springs from wonder and that, you know, there's something to be said for that. But if you're going to avoid collapsing into the proverbial navel-gazing philosophy critical thinking, that must begin from where we're at in the knit and the grit right now, this minute. The joys that we have, the tribulations we got of this embodied existence that we exist within today, right now. So if you're going to train in an art of war, you have to take your body and you have to push it to that measure of trauma designed to simulate within the trauma that you would expect in a real life or death situation. And that brings you to reality. It grounds you. 
Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Training to win, not in sports. Or a street fight or a barroom brawl. It's not the same thing as training to prevail in potentially mortal combat against homicidal aggressors. It's not the same thing as training to win in the battle of and for your life. And I sincerely hope you never have to wage it. But what I'm advocating for, if you were to do this, if you were to do all of this training, if you were to take yourself into this mindset, you would begin to look at politics in a different way. And then we would begin to change the way things are going right now today. This would help you acknowledge your fears for what they are and get rid of the ones that don't really mean anything. Politics will change the way you see yourselves, but if you're a warrior, you change the way you see politics. I'm watching the whole race thing, the whole race uh, graft fall apart. That's fun. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. Now, who is this breaking, Benjamin? No, this is this is disturbed, isn't it? Nope, neither. Well, who is it? Uh, Alter Bridge. Okay, you're gonna have to send me that cut. I like that. I'd like to hear the rest of that cut. All right, sounds. That's good. just administrative stuff. Pay no attention to that. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. I am streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, and to help your Christmas feelings, I now have a tree in the background. You can only find that here. <laughs> Used to be catchphrases. Used to be catchphrases back in the day. What you talking about, Willis? Where did that where did that come from? Or dynamite? Where did that come from? You can see it on TV land. I know most of you. That means nothing to you. It doesn't mean nothing to you. But the studio audiences at the time went crazy every time that was spoken. And if you get on eBay and you go looking up uh, Happy Days, you can get some Fonzie merchandise with A written all over it. You can't explain to kids today why that was so much fun. I don't even understand why it was so much fun myself. But the days of the catchphrase are gone. And they each burn themselves out while the concept was still hot because that's what happens to things that are overused. It's all about, like it's just the same thing as the boy that cried wolf. And it's finally happened with the left screaming racism about everything. Now, racism still exists. Okay? Democrats who defended slavery, fought a war to protect it, then created segregation and Jim Crow laws to keep as much of the mindset of slavery in place as possible, then shifted to segregation as a good thing and cultural appropriation. That's all still around and still benefit from it. The Democrats never change their objective. They only change the way they do it. And their tactics, which also changed, involved screaming racism every time, every time somebody disagreed with them or their policy objective. And uh, that screaming used to matter. 
It did. People would pay attention when someone was accused of racism and accused would vigorously defend themselves. Now, not so much. And it's not a day that ends in a Y if some leftist nut isn't crying about something or either is racist. So working out, eating healthy, merit, sports, you name it. And it's been accused of being part of some weird, powerful, white conspiracy to control everybody who isn't white. And that's the fantasy world that most of the white left lives in. It is now being seen as such by the average person because they overused it. The only people who care about the cries of racism now are the same leftists who see racism everywhere, which would be other leftists. And outside of that, outside of that, well, that's a shrinking circle. It continues to collapse today. And nowhere is this coming collapse more obvious than in the world of print. For whatever reason, people are always going to watch TV news. So MSNBC is going to go on for a little bit. And the entire industry has ma managed to adjust to shrinking audiences. And they claim that their audiences are now are higher quality, better educated, have more money. And that's how they sell advertising. And ad buys pay more of MS, MSNBC and CNN and because they're leftists too. And the audience that they say they cater to is more, more valuable to them. In print, that doesn't apply. You got a bunch of book publishers out there that overpay for everything coming from every piece of left-wing garbage that comes their way. And it, it's all dependent on what's happening on Twitter. What's trending on Twitter. But Twitter isn't real life. Just like Facebook isn't real life. None of the, uh, none of the uh, nonsense out there today is real life that we see in social media. So when they get into the traditional you know, print medium, they, uh, they freeze. So we've had millions of dollars set on fire for lesbian fiction and biographies of people celebrated online who nobody really cares about. The news outlets are out there uh, destroying themselves as they try to be uh, relevant. So they decided to D-bag harder if they're not going to endear you to an audience, leaving you because you're a D-bag. But that seems like the business model. Which brings us to Deadspin. It's supposed to be a sports blog. And they seem to have instructed their bloggers to find things to claim, uh, you know, to complain about politically. Because at some point, sports media, in large part, was overrun by people who hate sports, who are now seeking to destroy it. So, attacking a kid for supporting his favorite NFL team is now acceptable. So, I wonder how many... Uh, how many editors had to sign off on that piece about Holden Armenta before it was published? Did none of them think to look for more pictures? Did none of them think it might not be a good idea to attack a kid? Did they entertain the idea that the only jackasses in this equation was them? No. Nor did they consider that he could be Native American. They just saw an opportunity to cry racism. And now probably dead spin probably becomes a thing where the kid sues them and wins. <laughs> and they become just like Gawker. Just like Gawker. 
The leftists are a bunch of people that show up to Thanksgiving bringing a bag of chips to a potluck meal and then complaining about what's being served. And it can't last forever. And they will stop being invited. The reason racism is uh, fading as a leftist trope, although they'll continue to do it. They'll continue to do it. Um, nobody's nobody's paying attention to this overused catchphrase. They have overused it to the point that it doesn't mean anything anymore, which is good and bad. On the one hand, it takes away a complete and total, uh, you know, it's one of those things where anytime on the, on the right, if somebody's called a racist, they feel like they have to defend that. I don't. Call me whatever you like. I'm just going to keep on moving in the direction I was headed into in the first place because I have that warrior mindset. I understand what politics is and the way politics is wielded against me. But they're going to keep using it because this is, you know, politics has become a, it's all about perception. And a lot of you on the text line, you're sitting there right now today and some of you are feeling hopeless or, you know, like, like we're doomed or something. And it's all based on a perception that you've been led to believe. And with the exception of the resident in office, most of everything that they say that can, you know, the things they want to do versus the things they can do and the things they're going to be able to do are two different things. And that's what the warrior mindset does. And that's when you get out there and you begin to re realize that all of these catchphrases they use is a, it's a means of control. It's a leash. And if they can, if they can, if they can capture your mind, then guess what? They capture you in total. If they can bring fear into play. And it plays on your fears. If you cannot dispel them, they've got you. Doesn't matter what you are. Doesn't matter who what you think. They got you. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by a guy named Jerry Feldstein. He he lives. He's in Israel right now as we speak, and we're going to find out about what's going on in Israel today. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Yeah, I got all that stuff happening for you. Joining me now from Genesis from Genesis 123 Foundation in Israel is Jonathan Feldstein. How are you doing this morning, sir? Or this well, it's um, evening for you. How are you this evening, sir? Yeah. This, this, this evening, I am doing as well as anyone else in Israel is these days. Yeah. Genesis One Two Three is a foundation that exists to create uh, bridges between the Jewish people and the Christians living within uh, within Israel. But you you do a lot of other stuff as well. I would imagine you you've been there. When did you establish this? Uh, you you went back there in two thousand and four. When did this come up? Yeah, I moved here with my family in 2004 from the U.S., uh, American-Israeli citizen, and we I've been working building bridges between Jews and Christians since the late 80s, 
when I was uh, shortly after I graduated Emory, a little south of where you are, and uh, been doing this now full time. Whoa, for better the better part of more than 15 years, and we established the Genesis One Two Three Foundation, as we say, to to, to uh, build bridges with integrity and impact, uh, not only to monetize. Christian support for Israel, but actually build genuine relationships, and we're around since 2017. You recently helped, uh, you you helped a family in, it was it Tanzania, where one of their loved yes. ones had been killed in a terror attack. You helped them lay him to rest in a way that probably would not have been possible without your help. I want to tell you, Bill, it's, in, I've been in nonprofit work for some 35 years, what we did this week was probably one of the most meaningful things because, you know, when it, this is a, a man, his name was Clement Mtenga. He was killed by Hamas uh, during the attack on uh, either during the attack or, uh, or or when he was taken hostage. It's unclear yet. It may never be clear. I don't know if there was a proper uh, uh, coroner's report, um, but he was buried two days ago in, in his home village in the Kilimanjaro region. And because of the relationships that I've built throughout Africa, with Christians, I was able to call upon my dear friend, Bishop Daniel Uma, to be our representative there. And I want to tell you, some of the best things happened. As He wasn't an official representative of Israel, but they treated him like that. He had VIP status with government officials. He had VIP status and a police escort. They insisted that he stay in the whatever the best hotel is. He was he, a man who had never connected with the family until a week and a half ago, spoke at the funeral and was on countless media throughout Tanzania, and not just honoring the memory and bringing comfort to the family, but also doing something that's so important, which is building bridges between Jews and Christians in general, and specifically in Africa, which is a big passion of mine. Right. You do a lot of other stuff, too. You uh, you get out there and you look around for civilian security. You take care of soldiers that have had issues, uh, especially those who have trauma. Somebody gets their house destroyed, you, you're, you're there. And you look for emergency medical needs as well, um, right? This must be a very busy time for you. Uh, yeah, you know, I, tonight we're going to visit my my son. It's his birthday on the Hebrew calendar, and he's uh, in combat. We spoke about that the other day, you and I. Uh, he's a combat soldier, and he it's his birthday, so we he's not yet in Gaza, and we're going to go bring him dinner and hang out. Us, my wife some of my kids and his wife. Um, he's a newlywed. It's a little surreal that almost half of his married time he's been away um, at war, and uh, that's disappointing. But we, but I, I'm too old to have served in the Army when we moved here. Right. So the last two months almost I have uh, dedicated the, to, the, to the notion that my words are my weapon, and I've been doing countless interviews like this, written dozens of articles, most of them, as an Orthodox Jew, it's very cool because I'm an Orthodox Jew writing on Christian websites, including Charisma, All Israel News, Christian Headlines, Townhall.com, and uh, and doing tons of briefings and just connecting. We have to get the truth out, and we have to combat this Islamic terror that's um, killing us and is knocking on your door. Well, it, yes, it is. And I, I know that uh, it's not just about the Jewish people. Jewish people are just closest no. There, right. There's not a, you guys were just the easiest to get to. Uh, the other thing that strikes me, and I've been seeing several videos, videos of this, of parents that are in the IDF, they go and find their children that are in the IDF. And uh, that's, that's one of those uh, rare things to get a visit from a parent 
when you're in combat, that sort of uh, that's that's got to be a big morale booster for that for that soldier. Is that the way you, way it's you a, see it? It's a, it's a morale booster for the soldier and for us because yeah. it's real hard, um, especially during combat. But that's one of the nice things. You know, as an American, we're used to people being deployed, American troops being deployed, and we see them in airports, and we say thank you for your service. Don't but see what here, they're doing. they just gone. They're, he, we, outside, out of mind until they come back, right? So here, the front line is our backyard. Right. And uh, and this week, I just because we have so many soldiers guarding in our area, this week I went out twice, made hot food because I'm a good cook and I enjoy cooking, and I love loving on our soldiers. And they're not my kids, but they could be my kids. So I just made hot food. It was a real cold, rainy day here on Tuesday. Made a, a, a Israeli comfort food called shakshuka. I took it right out of the oven and delivered it to troops that were stationed right near my. And they loved it. So so yeah. So we get to go hang out with my son tonight and celebrate his birthday. Right. Um, because we also know as soon as the ceasefires end, he's probably going into Gaza. Well, in any event, uh, I think I think that's that's pretty cool. I, that that's not something that I I was I was I was a cold warrior. So I was never deployed, <laughs> but I you know I spent three years over in Europe. So uh, and uh, nobody ever came to see me. Now I got plenty of hot food while I was there. I I can attest to the. The uh, the the benefits of a nice warm meal when you're in the field with your with your with your boys with your girls because in in in, yes. uh, in the IDF females are uh, right there correct they're they're, they're pressing too so uh, I I could see where that would be a good thing so what I and here's what I would like to do with you as this as this continues on and I I have all confidence the IDF is going to succeed and that you guys are going to. Uh, you're going to get where that goal is supposed to be. I would like to press yep. you, if I can, from time to time, to have you come back here and tell us what's going on in Israel. With, with pleasure, anytime, Bill. It's a, yes, sir. It's I, a, I think I think it's, it's very pleasure important. Pleasure and it's a responsibility. It is, and I mean, uh, with the Islamists, the Islamists remind me a lot of the leftists. They're not going to be happy until they have total domination and submission, and it's going to take something like what's happening right now. That Israel's been pressed into. They tried to be nice. You guys tried to be nice, and they just didn't want none of that. So now you're going to have to show them. Uh, you know, if you don't want none, don't start none. And that's you know. Well, Islamists are not going to change their idea, and they no. can either be changed by God or they can be defeated. Leftists, I'll be pleased to tell you that people on the left this last two months are moving to the center and to the right because they see the reality. Yeah. They see that there is no nonsense. <laughs> we have Anthony Blinken here this week talking about a two-state solution. Yeah. That's nice. It's a lovely idea. Sure. But it's nonsense. It's just nonsense. And well, I mean, you guys were willing to do, to do it, and the other side was not, right? That's the way it boils down. Oh, for 75 years, yes. Yeah. In fact, this week was the anniversary of the U.N. partition vote to create two states, and the Arabs said no, and they've been fighting us since. Well, listen— I'm running out of time, so that means that's time. This gives you the time to get uh, revved up and everything to go see your son. Uh, you tell your your yeah. IDF soldier that there's an old soldier that wishes him well. <laughs> oh, I will send my best to him, Bill. And I'll be in touch, and uh, we'll be talking frequently. And I thank you for joining Great. me today. Thank you, and anyone who wants to check out what we're doing, Genesis One Two Three dot co. Jonathan Feldstein. You'll be hearing from him a lot. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Coming up next, there's a problem when, when the courts come out there and tell a state to do something, and they say, you know what? We're not going to do it anyway. It's not. It, it has more to do about the fact that 
they are turning away from rule of law, and that is full frontal tyranny coming our way. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Maryland got slapped down the other day. And they've just decided to say, well, no. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Uh, Last week, a three-judge panel of the Fourth Circuit ruled that the handgun qualifications law in Maryland was too burdensome. And they said it would not hold up under Bruin scrutiny. So... What they were trying to do was keep it from going to the Supreme Court, and they said this does this is so it, it struck down. Of course, as it is, this of course can be appealed, so that means it's not dead just yet. They also said it violated the right to keep and bear arms under the Second Amendment of the of the U.S. Constitution. Judge Julius Richardson, a Trump appointee, said the challenge law restricts the ability of law-abiding adult citizens to possess handguns, and the state has not presented a historical analog that justifies its restriction. Indeed, it has seemingly admitted it couldn't find one. So, in order to buy a, you know, I, I can I can walk out of here right now, go to Dewey's, plunk some money on the counter, buy a handgun, fill out the 4473, I'm out the door. In, in Maryland, you have to submit fingerprints, you have to agree to a background check, you have to take a five-hour firearm safety course, complete with a live fire component. Then you have to wait for 30 days before you purchase a handgun. Then you have to get another license and submit to a seven-day waiting period. But in, uh, in Maryland, the State Police Department has said they're going to, they say the HQL law remains in effect and there's no immediate changes in the process to purchase a firearm in Maryland. So they're just basically saying no. To the court, they're they're challenging the court, to uh, they're defying the court is what they're doing. State Governor Wes Moore said he would continue to fight for this law and added that his office was exploring other options. And Attorney General Anthony Brown also said they were weighing options for next steps. Of course, they're both Democrats, you know. Now, according to a Columbia Law School survey, the majority of Americans believe the Second Amendment gives the people the right to keep a gun at home. That is not true. The Second Amendment gives you nothing. God gave you that. The Second Amendment codifies it. The Second Amendment affirms it. It acknowledges it. Okay? So whenever you see that kind of rhetoric coming out of anybody, just remember that. Uh, you know, that's because they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Nathaniel Persley, who is the co-author of the survey, says, at a base level, Americans believe in the right to bear arms and own a gun. What's astonishing about that, it's it's twofold. First of all, 72% of the respondents say the Second Amendment gives individuals the right to own a gun. That's not true. It does not. The Second Amendment doesn't give you anything. None of the amendments give you anything. That means what they give, they can take away. You were born... With the right to that, you were born with the right to defend yourself. Get the more of your mindset and get it straight in your head and stop getting out there and thinking, hey, I hope the government lets me do this. Warriors do not think that way. 
They don't think that way. I really would like for... Mm. Uh, what on the text line isn't this racist against African Americans they have to show an ID right I guess it's only racist when voting are, are you talking about what I'm talking about don't know don't know anyway when a government looks at law and the law and you know we've all the, the left has always said well you know with roe versus wade that was settled law the law of the land until it got turned down turned around right and then it was an assault on women's uh women's reproductive rights or whatever it was never a government it was never a government function to regulate that there's no right to it there may be laws that authorize it but there's no right to it there is a right to defend your life. Warriors do not sit back and think to themselves, hey, <laughs> I hope the government lets me do something today. Warriors get out there and say, I'm willing to die for my belief. That's what warriors say. And then they make things fall in line to where if they have to actually do that, it's a very expensive proposition for their life to be taken. And that's this is this is a melding of body and mind. Getting out here and looking at what getting and looking at Maryland Maryland is a well-known anti-gun state. Don't travel through Maryland, don't drive through it. For God's sakes, if you have a permit and you have an out-of-state tag, be prepared for about a 5 or 6 hour layover when they pull your car apart when they run your tag because they're going to run it. Now, I've been asked about this numerous times. We're going to talk about this Yahoo up in Vermont that shot three Palestinian students. And we're going to cover every single base, even the ones that aren't apparent. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 